It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE, RedEyeRadioShow.com. We stream live. Get our app. Put it on your phone today. A couple of other stories here besides the New Hampshire uh, primary. Wow, did you see about that hockey player that uh, yeah. collapsed? Uh, yeah, you uh, were th- telling me about yeah. that. I didn't see the story, but apparently some kind of cardiac event. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, cardiac uh, uh, event. It was a St. Louis-Anaheim Ducks game. Uh, and it was, uh, let me see, it was uh, the Blues, uh, Jay, is it uh, Bo Meester, uh, defenseman, collapsed mm. on ice, 36 years of, uh, of age. It was a cardiac event. They wow. have said that. So, mm. but, th- but I, look, I've seen that happen. You had, remember uh, the, uh, I forgot who it was in the Dallas Stars, it collapsed a couple of years ago. Yeah, I forgot and, who that was. And you know, you know yeah, when it's yeah, serious, yeah, and yeah. and you know the what you know you fear those moments are are you know are, is somebody dying on the ice, mm. and and uh, you know or in in any sporting event when something like that happens, and you could tell they were shook up, and yeah. the players said, uh, and I think right after it happened, I saw it on Twitter, and so I went to the NHL Network, and you know they were talking about it, and when you know. Uh, you were wondering for a while because they said we went through the hallways. The player said we're not going back on the ice, and they didn't know the condition of the player at that point. And you wonder how serious you know is that? So yeah, um, apparently okay. Apparently yeah. whatever it is is, um, yeah. you know, he's alive. I'll say yeah. this. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's the the best part of it. And what his actual condition is, nobody knows. It was a cardiac event, but apparently he was conscious and be able to move, being able to move his limbs and all that. But. Uh, that was uh, one thing. Just wanted to mention that. Uh, a couple of other things. Uh, Jesse Smollett uh, now charged with faces six felony counts of disorderly conduct. The charges stem from four separate false reports that he gave to police in which he contended he was a victim of a hate crime, knowing that he was not a victim of a crime. We've gone through this entire story. Not surprised that this all happened. Hmm. The statement immediately raised concerns about the county prosecutor's decision to drop the charges last year and made it clear that these prosecutors had not adequately explained to the special prosecutors why they did so. Uh, this is from Fox 32 News hmm. in in uh, in Chicago. Okay. Um, but uh, was indicted in Chicago by Special Prosecutor Dan Webb. Uh, Webb released the following, or Webb, excuse me, but Webb stressed that he had reached no conclusion on whether anyone involved in the case had engaged in any wrongdoing, any of the other prosecutors. He said, that's not what I looked at. I looked at whether, you know, these charges should be filed. Okay. So there's where we are right now. Not surprised by it. I remember when this happened and, uh, again, it it sounded. There's times when you're just suspicious of it, and I remember when it came out, we asked questions, and we were called racist for asking those questions. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, first of all, uh, the uh, when when you get something, and there were way too many holes in that story, and we've seen this a number of times in what we do. 
there's things that don't add up. And that's all we do is ask questions. Okay, if this happened, why? If, if Why didn't this happen instead? You look at that story and it started to fall apart very quickly. I mean, the media jumped on it. The left media jumped on it. Everybody wanted to jump out and and be a hero or jump out and condemn Trump supporters. Remember? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what that was about, uh, his allegations. And we thought, well, wait a minute. I mean, there are Trump supporters in, in Chicago and at 2 a.m. Uh, looking to uh, uh, assault someone. That's that's how that works. And Trump supporters are watching his TV show. Uh, things, you know, just simple things that weren't adding up. It'll be interesting to see where this where these uh, charges go and how how that how that all pans I wonder, out. I but wonder if they'll cut a deal. Do you really want to play this out in front? Because it would be, you know, I don't know how much of the national media would pay attention because they seem to, you know, once once the story fell apart and it was evident, um, they, they, they moved on. But if he wants to go to, if his lawyers, they want to take this on and, and they want to, you know, take this in front of a jury and, and go that direction, there's going to be reports on it every single day, Mm -hmm. and the case is going to, once again, be shredded to pieces, and I'm thinking you make a deal. I I don't know what deal there is to be made, but if if I'm the lawyer, you always look to make a deal. You you plead guilty, you accept the prosecutor's uh, uh, reasonable sentence recommendation of seven to nine years. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then they change it. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what deal there is to to be made because I don't know what defense you would you would put up. I, I mean, I don't I well, don't know why you would you would take it in front of a jury because I don't know mm-hmm. what kind of defense you would put up. Um, you look at any deal you got on the table because I wouldn't want this playing out. I mean, his acting days. Can we probably say it? His acting days are over. He's done. Anybody going to hire him? Well, unless, you know, it, there are always roles open for somebody who might be anti-Trump. <laughs> it is well, Hollywood. And well, it. you have a point. <laughs> he might have a lot of acting jobs uh, I, I'm just, lined up. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to be reasonable here. And James Woods can't even get a free account on Twitter. Deal, but but he might get a starring role in a brand new series that runs for twenty years. Who knows? Smollett. Um, well, as I just remember that when it first came out, and we started asking questions, and the fury from some people out there, and we were, you know, we took some vicious phone calls. Who you know, people called us racist, and we said from the very beginning, if you've listened to this show, and I think at the beginning when we started, you know, you and I've been together fifteen years, Red Eye. What is it now? Seven. Uh, eight. No, eight. Eight. Wow. Yeah. Eight years. Eight years. Yeah. Eight yep. years. Yep. Uh, eight going on. Uh, yeah. Eight years and, and mm-hmm. a month eight. now. I've read. Yeah. I even though you and I have been together now fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, you know, with a uh, with another show. So, um, uh, I I believe that Trayvon Martin was 
one of the first things that we dealt with on this show. And I, right. And we had a lot of new stations at that time, not a lot of new listeners, and they found out we don't jump to conclusions on anything. Right. We right. could care less about being first. By the way, uh, I just want to mention this yesterday. We, we dealt with this yesterday. I didn't even talk to you about this, but I'd mention it. If you remember at the end of the show yesterday uh, that I had mentioned, I said, you know, the the there's there's we'll I'm sure we'll be talking, you know, where Bloomberg's going with some of the audio going around, uh, you know, about him and and stop and frisk. Right. I we knew that video was we know that video we knew that audio was out yesterday on yesterday's show that came out right after we got off the air. I saw Fox had it. Right. I couldn't find a reputable source to back it up. Right. So we didn't go with it yesterday. Right, right. We had it. We don't care about going first. Right. That's the last thing we're concerned about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never have cared about going first. We will never care about going first. We're opinion makers. Maybe if we were journalists in breaking news, we would be concerned about that. Mm. But we would still be concerned about if we're going to be first, we better get it right. And when that first came out and I saw it on social media, I couldn't verify it from a reputable news source. Right, 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 right. You know, one that you could say, okay, you know, who is who is this Joe guy putting this out? And I don't know, you know, with how you can impersonate people today. Mm. I didn't know whether it was legit or not. And this mm. is one where he talked about what uh, was it? Did he say throwing minorities or throwing? Did he say throwing blacks actually against the wall for against stop, the wall to uh, for stop, uh, and, stop frisk. and frisk yeah. and um, right. We, and so I right. we. I was on the air and I already heard the tape. I referenced at the end of the show mm-hmm. just right. that Bloomberg is going to have, probably have to deal with these things that are coming out that we're trying to verify, but we didn't play it. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to criminal justice cases, the last thing we do is jump the gun. We ask questions. Well, because it's it's the evidence that leads. I mean, and if we're not on a jury, and we weren't in the case of Trayvon or, uh, it, it, you know, um, Gosh, Ferguson, that whole, the whole case in Ferguson, if you look at that, uh, you had to wait how long? I mean, it was the family's, uh, the family commissioned the first autopsy that came out and debunked, hands up, don't shoot. And nobody wanted to pay attention to that. No. Uh, it was the Justice Department under, uh, led by Eric Holder under Barack Obama as president that found that um, snitches get stitches. In other words, if you're talking to the cops about this case, people in the neighborhood are going to come after you. And then remember uh, the video store or the video from the uh, convenience store that came out. They're just trying to, you know, the, uh, uh, he's no longer alive. They're just trying to uh, diminish his memory and attack him. Well, the video showed something that was relevant. And people don't want to wait for the evidence. They want to jump on a side. Clock boy. Remember that that thing went off. I yep. mean, it took off in hours. It was just a matter of hours on social media before people with blue check marks next to their name were were standing out in defense of Clockboy, and they they knew nothing about that case or his dad. And so we're used to that. And 
you you talk about uh, Justice Smollett or, or anything else going on. Uh, Watertown, when when the Sarnia brothers were in Watertown and and they were um, the running from the authorities, and there were a lot of news stories coming out, and then we were getting um, information via email, listeners contacting us saying, well, these are the names of the people they're chasing, and it turns out they were wrong. And they were they were sending us emails for two hours, over two hours, with the wrong names. We weren't going to go over that. And no. I don't care about Bloomberg. I don't care about any of them. I care about accuracy. And we'll tell you what our source is. Here, here he is on Fox News, and here his here he is in his own words. But with that audio yesterday, it was it, it was a little hard, you know, until later in the day to find right. a reputable source that was backing that up. Now, when I got home, Fox had it then, right? Exactly, because like, okay, we were looking all. Is anybody verifying that this you know that this audio is? Right. We don't. I just don't, we don't have the ability to do that. We don't right. have. <laughs> it's me and you. Right, exactly. <laughs> we don't have the researchers to uh, to uh, to do that. We get that all the time. You guys research all your stuff yourself. Yep. Well, it's and and because it kind of goes to our uh, that that fundamental value of uh, we want to know. We, no, it doesn't. We it's see a, it. we, no, it's our company won't pay for it. <laughs> they're, they're cheap. What are you talking about? We want to know, and so <laughs> the, the best way to know is to no. do that research no, and, I, and know how to find the answer. I'm kidding. I would rather yeah. have it this way. Well, no, I would I mean, not. Is, I would not because no. it is. Uh, it is that uh, that knowing, and if 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 you believe you're on sure footing, then you're going to do the job again. That represents those values we just talked about. Uh, all right, more on New Hampshire and where we go from here. Uh, Bernie Sanders, the winner, not as big of a winner as he was in 2016. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. even close. Not even Buttigieg, close. Judge a close second. Klobuchar, third. Uh, Warren, fourth. Bernie Sanders, fifth. He was just a little bit over 8%. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, crazy. Just amazing. 866-90-RED-EYE. Analyzing the oil in your vehicle is like sending your blood to the lab for tests. After you have submitted your lube scan kit, technicians will check for elemental metals, including the presence of metals and other elements such as aluminum, chromium, iron, lead, copper, calcium, and more. Knowing the levels of these materials can help you identify wear patterns in a specific part of your engine. High amounts of wear metal usually indicate an abnormal wear or corrosion problem. Technicians will also check for insoluble matter like carbon, fuel, and dirt. The insolubles test measures how fast the oil is oxidizing and receiving contaminants and how effectively the system's oil filtration is functioning. Analysis will measure the oil's viscosity, its alkalinity or acid level, and if the proper level of detergents and anti-wear additives are present. If your oil falls out of the range it's supposed to be in, the oil could have been overheated or contaminated. The Lube Scan Report will detail the results of these tests and provide an overall condition of the sample, ranging from normal to severe. If you've used Lube Scan before, the report will include any changes from earlier analysis. For more information, visit Senex.com. This maintenance tip is brought to you by TA Truck Service. More bays, more expertise, more solutions. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio.
It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Curley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Let's head to you, Michael in Indiana, about the primary and more. Uh, Michael, hi, you're on Red Eye Radio. How you doing, gentlemen? Good, good. Good to see you all the time. Uh, Pete Buttigieg made a statement that he admired Bernie Sanders since he was young, which didn't sit well with me. And doing a little research on his family tree, his father is as much uh, into socialism and Marxism as Bernie Sanders. But none of that seems to be coming out. And yet he's running as a well, moderate. Actually, so you, you actually, me, actually, like two actually, you know that because it came out. Yeah, you're, you're you know, aware of that. You, you're aware of that because it came out in the media and uh, Buttigieg claims to be a moderate, but all you have to do is go to Buttigieg and just type in Buttigieg on the issues, and you see how radical he is across the board, from abortion to open borders uh, to uh, getting rid of uh, fossil fuels to a carbon tax. He's the typical far-left liberal that exists today in the, the Democrat Party. So uh, uh, it's, it's out there that he claims to do it, but anyone who... Uh, who takes a you know a, a step back? Look, that's why you don't. That's why you don't have the establishment Democrats that are afraid of socialists that are jumping on the you know to back Buttigieg. Yeah, um, that's it. It is, um, you know, he's kind of a a a a, uh, a poster boy for the problem with the party right now. Aesthetically, he works right. Remember, um, who was it in the media? Uh, it was somebody on Fox News that said, you know, uh, he's a really good guy and blah, 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 blah. And, and we were like, hold on a second. Do you, do you know where he stands on the issues? Do you, do you know? And he was getting, and someone wrote the article. It was a liberal publication, but they wrote the article that even, and or they put in the article that even conservatives, some conservatives are on board. It's like, okay, let's slow the roll a bit. He is kind of the poster boy for where the party is now. I mean, you, you look at the radical views, and they don't want Bernie out there just shouting at everybody, Michael J. Fox. Uh, they don't want him promoting openly that we're going to, he wants to fundamentally change the nation and go straight to socialism or further to socialism. They want, they need a little bit of both. And Buttigieg, they're trying to get, or he's trying to be a little bit of Barack Obama. But Barack Obama, if he were running for the first time in 2020, would he get, would he get the same kind of support? Well, look, uh, who's uh, been out there saying that the party has gone too far left? Hmm? Obama. Mm-hmm. That, that, that it's going to be like a circular uh, firing squad. Right. That, that they and here we are. That they have to start dealing with reality. Exactly. Judge and the things he believes isn't dealing with reality. No. He just sounds like he, he he's dealing with like, reality. Right. Shake their heads. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley on Red Eye Radio. 
And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. You know, I understand when people call up and they say, uh, like the last caller saying, you know, uh, um, uh, Buttigieg's father was a, a Marxist, because you can look at it and say, okay, that was part of the influence. But uh, remember, one of Ronald Reagan's sons is uh, a complete and total liberal. Mm-hmm. So to sure. bring to bring up that, well, his, you know, it, so uh, I understand why you bring it up, but you don't have, even have to go that far. Just go and check on the issues where he stands. Yep. That's the ultimate. Where does he actually stand on the issues? What makes him a radical? Yeah. No restrictions on abortion. Zero restrictions on abortion. Uh, that's radical. Right. The American, the vast majority of the American public does not uh, agree with him. Uh, you know, uh, uh, on that, he believes in open borders. Yep, and you know that is a that is a radical concept. You know, we look at where you know the the response has been from many of the talking heads, Democrat talking heads that are against what is going on with Bernie Sanders right now, who's being influenced without question by AOC. And we've talked about her influence since 2018. Right. And we've talked about where the party has gone, that it has become a far-left radical party. Well, these Democrat talking heads never complained until they realized, oh, we may not be able to win with this. As they're learning right now that's what they're afraid of Uh oh we can't win this and one of the reasons i think that they look at biden as the be-all end-all is because i think no matter how much biden has pretended to become far left Mm. they believe that biden actually agrees uh that the 1994 crime bill was a good bill Right. He actually believes yeah. that you should punish people and punish them severely for committing crimes and violent crimes. He just can't say it. Right. But they know that's where he's, they, he stands. They know Biden on immigration probably doesn't agree with open borders. He never did before. Right. He did. Why? Because he thought he needed to say that in order to win the primary. I think what they're thinking is, yeah. We know he sounds like a liberal, but truly he's a moderate Democrat and probably has many of the stands that Trump has. And if he could just say that and get to the nomination and say that, then he would be best to compete against Trump. Mm. Yeah. And that's that's the problem I look at in Bloomberg is all these all these old white men. (laughs) In the Democrat Party that are complaining about the old white man not winning is because they believe that the old white man is the one who most likely can beat Trump because he's really not as radical as he may seem. We said this when Biden was out there and said, or when somebody asked him, how many genders are there? And he said three. And we went, he's lying. Yeah, right. He doesn't believe that. But he knows he can't win. He doesn't believe he could win in the Democrat Party if he didn't take those positions. I think what he's learning is by faking it, well, then you end up stumbling over yourself 
from the past positions that you've held. The same thing's going to be going on with Bloomberg here. Bloomberg's going to have to justify his statements. You know, there was a I was reading the Wall Street Journal op-ed piece that said, look, what Bloomberg did with uh, stop, question, and frisk. Mm. And it was made clear yesterday, you know, but by the way, it was question. You still had to, in the policy, you had to go by what the federal courts have said. So it wasn't just you stop and frisk anybody you want. You've got to question them and then have what rises to the level of court approval probable cause at that point. Yeah. And 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 they said, uh, you know, so for Republicans to be attacking Bloomberg, well, Republicans aren't necessarily attacking Bloomberg for that. What they're attacking Bloomberg is his absolute hypocrisy, his flip-flops, the way that he said it, which is totally unacceptable in Democrat quarters. The way he said it, mm-hmm. you can't say it. No. The reality might be different than the way that he because the way that he put it that you just what what I I don't want to I don't want to take it out of context, but to paraphrasing you know push him against the wall or slam them against the whatever he right, said right right you know the, what his his um, imagery was not actually what stop question and frisk is, and it's imagery that the left believes well, that's something that Trump would say, but he's got to deal with all those things. He has to deal with. There were a couple of other video or audio uh, pieces of audio that came out yesterday too that he's going to eventually have to confront. And I do love the fact that you know the Democrats are worried now because these candidates are attacking each other. Eventually, you have to. Well, well that's if, that's if the whole point. You're going to have to go after your opponent. That's the way it works. Uh, unless you're Beto, because he's the least qualified. Yeah, exactly. He's the one, <laughs> one that's. Uh... And and so uh, of course you're going to have them start attacking each other because they want to separate themselves from the, the. How do you separate yourself if you don't say where you disagree with someone? And and so, but to me, that's the problem that Biden has is is and that's the problem that the. <laughs> and you look at it; they're all old white men who are Democrat talking heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you look at you know whether it's a Chris Matthews. Or Carville, or even you know Bennett, who was on Senator Bennett, who was on the panel with uh, with Carville and uh, oh, oh Chuck Todd, Chuck Todd, yeah. Chuck Todd, he's getting old too. I mean, it's, we'll, we'll call yeah. it medium old. Yeah. And 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 what they're throwing out is again the over the, they're throwing over the top rhetoric out that Trump hasn't even gotten to in labeling his competition so far. Right, they have already called. They've already called Bernie Sanders army of loyal supporters Nazis. <laughs> they've already done that. They've already they've already got well, to they that did point. That, they did that before New Hampshire. Right. Yeah, they they've already called him a cult before New Hampshire. Uh but the problem is with uh with that's with Sanders, but with uh with Biden, Biden couldn't be who he really is. Cuz you know, you can look through Biden, you know, the criticisms he's taken are the criticisms for things that Democrats and the Democrat Party used to hold dear. You know, he's trying to promote the fact that, you know, on on border security, good God, Biden used to want border security as much as anybody. Well, yeah, I mean, you go back to, again, uh, man, back in the day, Harry Reid. 
talking about it. There's audio out there about border security. They were talking about barriers. It wasn't that long ago. And so now they're saying, oh, my gosh, open borders, fundamentally transforming the United States, Mm -hmm. taking over business. You know, the the biggest support, you know, now Sanders talking about we need to, you know, uh, transform the industrial military uh, uh, um, complex. Complex. Thank you very much. Well, it's been so long it's since we've so heard long, it. Exactly, since the 80s. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's, he's uh, the, the things that, you know, AOC promotes that he believes in is socialism slash communism. And we've talked about that before. Yeah, right. You know, so uh, it's, and all of a sudden they're saying, oh, we don't think we can win on this. It's, it's why all the unserious candidates, and this is why we talked about Andrew Yang. Mm. The reason Andrew Yang is out is because they viewed, many people viewed him as an unserious. You jumped the shark when you said every family is going to get $24,000 of free cash a year. Nobody bought it. Right. You were unserious at, at that particular point when you got to specifics of, of cash handouts. If you see most of the rhetoric, we're transforming society, we're transforming society, never gets to the details. He doesn't come out and say what like he did in the 70s. We need to take over industry. We need to take over the car industry. We need to take over. That's what he wishes to do. Right. If he could run things on his own, because he has stated that before. So when he says ultimately, you know, uh, fundamentally transform the nation, that it's not just about beating Trump. It's about transforming this nation. Most people are like, to what? And now Democrats are starting to panic. Democrats who completely supported AOC and her socialism slash communism as the darling and the intellectual leadership of the Democrat Party and the new blood out there who now supports Bernie Sanders. And all of a sudden we get to Iowa and they're like, "Uh uh-oh, and everything changes. Well, you're a bunch of hypocrites because you weren't attacking them like you are now. No, uh, and you, of course you saw it. The only thing that, that the liberal media is doing now is trying to cover their backside because they know more and more. Van Jones, uh, debate before last. I didn't see anybody on that stage that can beat Trump. Van Jones! Well, and now they're talking about, yeah, Trump relates to the, well, you know, uh, he... Bernie Sanders wants to fundamentally transform the nation. Most people just want to have security. And those people that really just want security, as as Matthews was saying, you know, and, and want a, just a good job, at, well, they're attracted to Trump. Yeah. Well, you weren't, right. you weren't saying this six months ago. You weren't saying this a year ago. Right. You were saying Trump is the worst thing ever and is going to destroy our society completely. Well, it seems like you're even admitting that the people that vote for him are voting for pure moral reasons of self-interest to ensure that they can enjoy freedom and a good quality of life. Right. Not be told what to do, how to do it, where to go to school, you know, where you know, where to work, what to buy. And so they actually do know. So are they faking it all the rest of the time? Because mm. clearly they have an idea of what's going on now. So are they lying to their audience on MSNBC and CNN all the rest of the time? Uh, in order to do that for a living, you're going to have to lie, yeah. yeah. 
I have to ask that question. So there's uh, there's where we are. Um, I did see a couple of admissions yesterday that obviously Democrats now know and Democrats are talking about the fact that uh, the whole Russia collusion thing and where it's ending up now and the impeachment and everything that has happened has actually helped Trump not hurt him. Right. Oh, really? You didn't see it coming? You know, it's interesting. Uh, you were talking about the uh, incumbent turnout. Uh, you compare Trump uh, in New Hampshire. Yes. Trump versus Obama. Mm-hmm. Obama was roughly, what, 49,000? Yes. And Trump received how many votes? 100 and... 112,000. Uh, 112,000. The most in... I I was reading the most in four decades. Um, I, I, I got an update earlier that said that he... Got one hundred and twenty thousand four hundred seventy six. Okay, yeah, because it, because it, the voting isn't even done yet. Right, right. We're talking, yeah. We're and talking so I'm that. trying to get right. an update from that because that was a, a little while ago. But the point is, Brad Parscale, some interesting notes. He pointed out Obama in 2012 got forty nine thousand. Again, this is when there is really no contest in the primary. It's not a real primary. Uh, the other parties having a primary. George W. Bush in 2004. 52,000. Ronald Reagan, 65,033. You look at the motivation. Again, it doesn't mean that it's going to translate into a win. It just means that people in New Hampshire right now were eager to get out and vote for, even though it wouldn't do a thing. They just wanted their voice heard, an official vote for Trump, they're eager to do that. And the far left is wondering, the far left media is wondering why it's not the opposite. Good turnout by the Democrats, but it's splintered. Bernie didn't win with the same margin, nowhere near the same margin that he had in 2016. Mind-boggling turnout for an incumbent president in New Hampshire. Mind-boggling. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. There it is. Gallup poll. A new poll shows that strong majority of American voters would uh, vote for a well-qualified candidate for president if he or she was black, Catholic, Jewish, or even gay and lesbian. But less than a majority, only 45%, would vote for a candidate who is a socialist. Hmm. Which means it looks like that People mostly vote for ideology, at least a significant hmm. portion. Do okay. Right. 76% of Democrats would vote for a socialist. That's not enough. That doesn't get you there, Bernie. And that's what the party is seeing. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Pilot Flying J Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE, RedEyeRadioShow.com. We stream live or get our app, listen anytime, live or on our podcast. All right, you ready? What do you got? Well, in the news. Yeah. Our campaign is not just about beating Trump. It is about transforming this country. It is about having the courage to take on Wall Street, the insurance companies, the drug companies, the fossil fuel industry, the military-industrial complex. So many of you chose to meet a new era of challenge with a new generation of leadership. There he is, Pete Buttigieg and uh, Bernie Sanders talking about the military-industrial complex as he took New Hampshire. And uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. We're, we're looking at the, uh, the data that comes across and yeah. the behavior of voters in New Hampshire. Bernie, in 2016, uh, huge margin, huge win. Uh, this time, not so much. So it shows the split in the Democratic field right now. Mm-hmm. The president who really isn't being challenged. I mean, I know they're trying, but really, no, he's not being challenged. With well over 120,000 votes, that's nearly double what Ronald Reagan did in 84 at 65,000 votes. Again, he wasn't being challenged, really. It's not a, it's not a real primary, but it shows you right now. In New Hampshire, That's it, these are just snapshots but it does show you how eager the Trump supporters are to get out. And this is what was so confounding to people like Rachel Maddow and other far left in the media after Iowa. They wanted to know why the turnout wasn't greater, why there wasn't more, right. uh, weren't more Democrats ready to vote against Trump at their first chance. Right. Now, there was uh, a bigger turnout for the Democrats than than they had in 2016 for New Hampshire. But it yeah. was split. Yes, it was I mean, split. You, yes. you, look, you look at that yes. split, and that's the right. problem. Right. Uh, when you look at, uh, also, just let everybody know, you took population considerations. Yes. The increase I, in the population. I, I checked it in out. In New Hampshire, yes. Just to make sure that right. between 84 and, and 2020, there wasn't this huge surge. It's a couple hundred thousand, well, somewhere in that area, uh, <laughs> uh, more people that live there today. So I, you take that into consideration. But the point being is that, um, and uh, what Barack Obama in uh, 2012 was just over 49,000. Just Again, over 49,000. It wasn't a right. real primary. He wasn't being challenged. That's the point. How eager right. are people Rem- remember, though, to Iowa- go out and, right, and the- uh, support their candidate? Right, but the point is Iowa didn't bring out as many people as they did in 2016, mm-hmm. and it was just as contested as New Hampshire was. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, it. but th- th- there's... There might have been more excitement in New Hampshire than there was in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't tell you why, but uh, they over they overperform what they did in 2016. Mm-hmm. But Trump just killed it. Yes, for a and th- that's the point that has to be brought up. There may be 
excitement, and the excitement might be because of Iowa. It might mm-hmm. not be Trump. Right. It might be that we want our particular candidate or those Bernie Sanders supporters have had enough of the Democrat Party ripping them off, and they want to make sure they get out there and vote because they don't want to happen what's happened again. There may be uh, people that that l- agree with Chris Matthews and agree with uh, uh, James Carville and agree with uh, Chuck Todd that the socialist cult and the Nazi brown shirts of the, and we are not saying that, that was said by those fellas on the other side, uh, the Nazi brown shirt uh, that are supporting uh, Bernie Sanders can't take over the party. And that would be, a, that's a legit question that uh, maybe a poll can can figure out. Was it anti-Trump? Or was it the fact that after Iowa, there is just so much passion to get out because of the split? And as we have said, when you keep promoting the victor, the victim, excuse me, the victim oppressor uh, mentality over a period of years, you get people angry at each other. When did you ever think in a short period of time that you would have Chuck Todd promoting that Bernie Sanders People are, uh, are uh, you know, relating them to the Nazi brown shirts. When mm-hmm. did you ever think that Chris Matthews would be talking about, uh, in essence, Bernie Sanders and true socialism? And, uh, you know, we thought Castro was great. Did you hear when he said that? Mm-hmm. We thought Castro was great right. until he started shooting people. And if that kind of socialism came over here, well, then we could be executed in Central Park. I mean, that's the kind of rhetoric you're not even hearing from the president saying that about any of the opposition candidates those are coming from loyal democrats right who are now using that kind of rhetoric so understand that it doesn't matter who it is doesn't mm-hmm. matter who it's somebody who they were supporting and who was a friend and hey they were saying was just wonderful and great last week when it doesn't fit their narrative and all of a sudden they can't win they can become as they can become nazis as quickly as you can you know there's inter- what's interesting too is is that they are kind of separating themselves. The liberal media often, you know, with their adoration, uh, they became activists. Uh, 2016, it was it was clear they had that adoration for for Hillary. Uh, 2008 for Barack Obama off the charts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now there seems to be more and more. This, uh, this eagerness to to separate themselves. It's almost like uh, you know a, a president who's having a really horrible controversy, and then the local uh, senator or something uh, in a certain state, uh, let's say I don't know Beto, doesn't want the uh, former president was trying to separate themselves from the controversy, and that that happens all the time in American politics. But the fact that you're seeing it from the far left media where they're really not attaching themselves like they used to not too long ago to candidates on the left tells you something about the reaction. What they're seeing is, is what you pointed out yesterday. Even the liberal media is not safe from the mentality that has been put in place by the AOCs of the world. Well, actually, by Democrats years ago. That started planting the seeds that led us to this, where everybody it becomes a victim and everybody else is is an oppressor. 
you cannot continue that without one day yourself becoming the oppressor. And now it's Bernie. Now it's anybody and everybody that doesn't say something, that says something that I don't like. Meanwhile, Amy Klobuchar coming in third place and Mm. had this to say. Thank you, New Hampshire. We love you, New Hampshire. (laughs) Hello, America. I'm Amy Klobuchar, and I will beat Donald Trump. We shall see. Here's Joe Biden. I want you all to think of a number. 99.9%. That's the percentage of African-American voters who have not yet had a chance to vote in America. There you go. Well, he probably should have, if he were going to be intellectually honest, (laughs) pointed to some recent polls that showed that his African-American support is falling quickly. Uh, meanwhile, he said that just so you know, in in uh, in in South Carolina, South Carolina, exactly. Here's Elizabeth Warren. My determination to lead a movement has been forged by the tens of thousands of people who have said they are ready to fight for an America they know we can be. Because if we have the hope that comes with dreaming big, if we have the courage to fight hard. We are going to win. Thank you. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just, I was just caught up in the political rhetoric. Uh, if, <sighs> yeah. You know, I can't be a politician. I don't know. Because I would think that every every sentence that I, if I mean, I don't do it here, but I would think as a politician that every sentence that I would say uh, would have to actually say something, <laughs> would have to have a point. Well, yeah, you, I mean, when you yeah, on these you long diatribes right. and, and it's yeah. like, what? What does that mean? Stop trying to pump me up. Say something of substance. Right. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we do have somebody exiting from. <sighs> uh, well, I guess the, the check's not going to be in the mail then. Check's not. Yeah, the check won't be in the mail. Uh-huh. As Andrew Yang announced, he is. And I hate to use snagglepuss here but exiting stage left because anybody young anybody under 70 has no idea what i'm saying and while there is great work left to be done you know i am the math guy and it is clear tonight from the numbers that we are not going to win this race so andrew yang gone no 12 excuse me no twenty four thousand dollars per household that's gone would somebody take that up uh that'd be an idea Bernie should take it up. Look, Andrew Yang is out. He ran a great campaign, and I've decided we're going to give you twenty four thousand bucks. Uh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take that and run with it. Uh, that's uh, well, I guess Bernie could adopt that, but he'd go bigger, wouldn't he? Ten thousand dollars a month. <laughs> a month. <laughs> Everybody wins the lottery. Exactly. <laughs> Think about this, though. Everybody that offered cash is now out. Mm. Uh, and 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 I have to ask is and you know. Uh, by the way, did you check Norm McDonald's tweets? No, I haven't. I ha- he was he was having some fun with uh, Andrew Yang. He, yeah. he tweeted, uh, you know, I'm 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 supporting Andrew Yang because I'm a big fan of a thousand dollars. I always have been. Um, and and then had some fun and it and then. When was it? 
It was uh, a week or so later that some comedians took over Andrew Yang's Twitter. You mentioned earlier that people weren't taking Andrew Yang seriously. And the fact of the matter is, is maybe that's why he was, you know, seemed to be, I don't know, it, it, maybe he just didn't seem to be serious enough for people. I, 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 look, if, if a thousand, because a thousand dollars isn't going to get you there. You know how many scratch off tickets that'll buy? Very few. Very few. And then how are you going to buy beer and cigarettes? The problem is, is that, you know, the connection with people, uh, is, is, um, politically on the left. It's all over the place. How, how do you connect? How do you actually connect? Do people actually want socialism? Do they really want Bernie? When do you go over the top? When do you jump the shark when you start talking about uh, universal basic income? Right. Look, has is anybody at all in the Democrat campaign right now talking about universal basic income and giving people free cash? And if they're not on the Democrat side, why aren't they doing it? Right. Because they did their polling. They did their focus groups. Nobody buys that it's going to happen. Therefore, if you're promoting something that people believe is not going to happen, and these are people that wish that wish that it might happen, then you're viewed as an unserious candidate. It's that simple. Right. When Remember you and I... There was a point last year, I'm guessing it was, what, May, June of last year? How many discussions did we have on universal basic income? Oh, man. And we talked about that. We talked mm-hmm. about the other plan that would give the, uh, would come from taxpayer funds. And by the time you got to be 18 years of, of age, you would end up with, and this was Spartacus's plan, right? Yeah. Yes. Spartacus had the plan that, that 50 you. 50 grand. That you, that you could get 50 grand to use for college or buy a home or whatever. And it's like, these things aren't going to happen. And so I, when you promote this, and remember Andrew Yang, and it was, I remember it was like in the same week. He was promoting the fact of giving $24,000 per family and open borders at the same time. And I went, anybody who's a critical thinker hears that and went, what about the people coming over immediately? Do they get if, if if it isn't a crime anymore, and if there's open borders, and you're offering twenty four thousand dollars, you say you you claim you're the math guy. Can you add two plus two? Right. Uh, I it, it's and so you had people on left go. Well, I think he has some interesting ideas. No, he doesn't. No. They're unserious, interesting ideas, maybe to you. But the public at large says, that's eh, not going to happen. We know we've got debt, but government's not going to give you $24,000 a year per household. That's not happening. And it's not even to the point where somebody's saying 500. What are they working on now? Even the Democrats now, when you get to the point of getting serious about an issue, they're going, well, we can't have Medicare for all. You got to have the private sector in there. Right? Yeah, of course. But and and and, Ber- and Bernie, who's promoting it, is stating what we it's, wa- go- it's going to cost the middle class. Well, of course, a- and they'll be happy to pay for it. Yes. So they'll be he- delighted. I think. I, I think delighted is the word he used. I-, I just wonder if they've been the American public has been promised so much, 
Because you saw the latest polling on socialism, which is way down from where it was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Have they finally said, look, stop, be- stop BSing us. We're not going to get all this stuff for free. Please stop it. Well, I think what happened was is that you go through the Obama years. And they were expecting, because with Hope and Change, blank canvas, they were expecting a lot of free stuff. And Obamacare ended up costing them more. Mm-hmm. And they weren't happy with it. And I think they feel burned by that. And, well, now you get to Bernie promising even more. And they're saying, well, if Obama couldn't get it done, there's no way you're going to get it done. 86690 Red Eye. Some people were expecting Tuesday's USDA supply and demand forecasts to show big changes in crop export prospects because of the U.S. China trade deal, but instead. By and large, not a lot of changes. USDA's chief economist Rob Johansson says there are three reasons why the China deal did not cause big increases in USDA crop export forecasts. First reason an increase in exports to China oftentimes will come from a decrease in exports to another part of the globe. And the USDA report only shows net exports, not sales to any one country. Second, the USDA report makes forecasts on a marketing year basis for crops. And the marketing year ends this summer, but the China purchase commitments were made on a calendar year basis. So any changes in China purchases could occur now, could it occur in October or November um, when we're harvesting our crop. And that's when prices for most crops would be lower, chances of sales higher. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Washington. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. And there we are looking at uh, uh, Nate Silver's 538 and the odds of taking the nomination. The biggest mover was not Klobuchar or not Buttigieg, but in taking uh, the nomination, the biggest mover was brokered convention. Wow. Here's your forecast. A stalled frontal boundary across the south will lead to several rounds of heavy rainfall today. Severe storms are not out of the question, but the main threat will be dangerous flash flooding from the Ohio Valley extending southward into the Mississippi River Valley. And we'll eventually see some clearing through the day Thursday for Louisiana, Missouri, and Arkansas. But to the east for Alabama, Georgia, portions of the Carolinas, and into New York City, we'll see this rain continue through Thursday. North of New York today, we should be pretty clear, but as we approach Thursday, you will see the increase for snowfall from Maine down through northern New York and in and around the Cleveland area. We do see that chance for a wintry snow mix late tonight into Thursday for Boston, where the high today is 41, but the overnight low will dip into around freezing. For New York City, sleet later tonight. Your national forecast from Red Eye Radio. I'm meteorologist John Trout.
Russian assets. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. I hate these days when so much is going on where I just remember something near the end of the show and go, oh, oh, I just remembered that now. Okay. And uh, it was the uh, the tweet from uh, Catherine Herridge, right. formerly of Fox News, now with uh, CBS. And uh, this is on the, the whole thing about you know, uh, Giuliani in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Source familiar with the process tells CBS News that the staff assigned by Attorney General Barr to look into all of this is outside of the main Justice Department to review the Ukraine matter. Hmm. CBS uh, News told this review is separate from the Durham probe into origins of the 2016 Russia case and is being handled by the U.S. attorney in Pittsburgh. Now, that's interesting. Uh, the other thing is, sources... Uh, wait a minute, let me go... Um, let me get to... So, uh, it was outside... Oh, there it is. Hmm. Sources familiar with the process also tell CBS News the review goes beyond the Biden-Ukraine matter and records are already under review. On the timeline, CBS News is told the review has been quietly underway for several weeks. The Department of Justice declined to comment. So it's all on the Ukraine, but it's just not Biden and the Ukraine. It's a separate matter being taken under not by A.G. Barr, but by the uh, uh, federal attorney out of Pittsburgh, the U.S. Mm. attorney out of Pittsburgh, is handling it separate from Barr's office. That's interesting. That didn't get a lot of news yesterday. And when I saw that post, I went, oh, got to make sure we bring that one up because we've been following that, you know, very, very close. What are they looking at? I mean, it's outside the scope of... It's out, if it's outside the scope of Biden and the Ukraine that they're looking at, I mean, they're looking at Biden and the Ukraine, but a lot of this they've been looking at already is outside of that purview. So they may be just adding, what, what he's saying is we're just adding this, that would be the process, is something they've already had going on. They're looking at corruption in Ukraine and how it relates to the United States, even outside of Biden and the Ukraine, which means outside Biden, Ukraine, and Giuliani's input into it. And so it may be a part of what is going to continue to go on, but it's already been happening. Well, if it turns out, I mean, you think about this. Uh, okay, then you add to that any possible uh, corruption related to the Bidens. All right. And then this and just assume that this is not related to the Bidens at all, just about Ukraine. That also further justifies those comments in that phone call on July 25th. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's not even isolated to just uh, it, quite possibly. What I'm saying is, is if this is beyond the Bidens, then we're looking at another case of possible corruption, which then, is the, which is the question, which is the question. What, Look, when you assign it to a U.S. attorney, mm-hmm. you're on the path to something. That's it. You, that you've got something. Right. This is strong. Move on this. Right. And. and in, or when we say move on it and not prosecute necessarily, no, 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 but no. investigate. Pursue it. Right. Pursue it. The, the situation with Ukraine was known. It was well known 
for years. You know, it's interesting because <laughs> we go back to the left uh, pretending like history doesn't exist, like the Internet doesn't exist. Time and time again, they do that. Leading up to that phone call on July 25th or leading up to the presidency, uh, you know, the of, of Donald Trump. People have known about the corruption in, in Ukraine for a long, long time. And they've talked about it. They know. If this turns out, again, to be something on top of what was going on with uh, Burisma, possibly the Bidens, then and it, it, it spells something huge involving a number of uh, items of corruption, then, again, it goes back to justify that phone call, the comments mm-hmm. in right. that phone call on July 25th, which, yeah. by the way, if you're a critical thinker, you don't have to. You may disagree with the president's um, uh, methods, how he talks, how he tweets. But he was it was well within reason for him to insist to Zelensky on that day to follow through with his campaign promises on corruption. One of the most I'll call this the most interesting. I won't call it the top audio cut of the day. The most interesting audio cut of the day. Okay. Just like I referred, did you see how I referred to Twitter? Yes. Uh, to the deep voice guy now that he has a, his own Twitter account? I don't know how that happened. The most interesting deep voice guy in the world, I remember. He is. Yes. Yes. Well, I know it, somehow uh, somebody, a listener requested, why doesn't deep voice guy have a Twitter account? And I said so we'd we make one. that happen. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know why I did that. He hasn't said a lot. I mean, no. I, I saw blah, 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 and yes. Yes. Yeah. That's that's all I mm-hmm. saw from mm-hmm. him on Twitter so far. But mm-hmm. he's a man of few words. Well, uh, but, <laughs> but they're big words. <laughs> Very and he big says words. them better than most uh, people. So this is this is one of the most this to me is most uh, interesting because it's a narrative that we've been on about uh, what's been going on on MSNBC, mm. mostly MSNBC, maybe CNN, some Van Jones on CNN. But really, the pounding on Sanders coming from MSNBC. Yeah. And whether it's uh, Carville or uh, Chris Matthews mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Todd. Um, Chuck Todd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I keep thinking the old quarterback of the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Richard Todd but mm-hmm. I'm before I say and So that's why I paused. Thank you for filling in Chuck Todd. Uh, people go, Richard Todd, who was he? Oh, one of the thousand quarterbacks that have played for the Jets over the last 30 years. Uh, but... Uh, uh, and and the things that they've been saying, uh, Todd yesterday bringing up uh, the uh, the Never Trumper uh, right, uh, right, article right, right. where the guy was talking about the fact of you know the brown shirt, you know uh, uh, army uh, for Sanders online army for Sanders, and he was going along right with it. I mean, he was giving it credibility. It's like wow, Chuck Todd now is giving credibility to an article calling Sanders supporters Nazis. We go to. Uh, to uh, uh, Carvel calling them uh, a cult, uh, you know, a, a cult. We go to uh, uh, Chris Matthews. I mean, this this is way over the top rhetoric than you would oh, even yeah. hear from Trump. Yeah, talking about 
uh, socialism and, and Bernie Sanders and socialism and what does he really think and the things that he said in the past that are communist. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, where does he really stand? And, you know, socialism, uh, socialism, we've seen what socialism can do. We see what happened under Castro. And I liked Castro. Mm -hmm. He said that, not me. Mm. I like Castro when he first came in. But if Castro would have taken over this country, they would have been executing people, that kind of socialism in Central Park. And I might have been one of them. Always have to make yourself a pretend victim of a scenario that has never happened. Yeah, right. Uh, and so we just wondered, how does it affecting the audience? I think we talked about this probably more off the air than on the air. It was like, how's this? How's the audience dealing with this? They're right. pounding. I mean, we're talking MSNBC. They're as socialist as you can possibly be. Yeah. How are they handling this? And then this little tidbit uh, came out from MSNBC yesterday. Uh, New Hampshire woman talking to MSNBC's Ari Melber. Uh, uh, he was in a restaurant asking people who they voted for and if they voted. Right. Here's what happened. <laughs> who else voted today here? Anyone? No? No? What about over here? I voted. Who did you vote for? I voted for Bernie. Um, although there are a number of candidates that I really like, and so I felt like I, I when I finished voting, I was still undecided, um, including Elizabeth, including Michael Bennett, for that matter. Now, that's sort of a paradox, to, to decide and then feel undecided. <laughs> so you're a complex person. Right. Uh, well, <laughs> yes, but I want to say the reason I went for Bernie is um, because of MSNBC. And <laughs> very... Go on. <laughs> I think it is completely cynical to say that he's lost 50% of his vote um, from the last time when there were two candidates. Now there are multiple wonderful candidates who would be great presidents and people that we could, I think, that we can unify and get behind. But the, the, the kind of the stop Bernie cynicism that I heard from a number of people, I watch MSNBC constantly, so I heard that from a number of commentators. And so that just, it made me angry enough. I said, okay, Bernie's got my vote. <laughs> so what you're saying is if you didn't have cable. <laughs> wow. One more observation. Yeah. And this may become a narrative on the show now. Uh -huh. Since you started it. Uh huh. The woman mm -hmm. who he's interviewing. Mm -hmm. Googly eyes. Telling you. <laughs> I think it's a little too much caffeine. <laughs> a little too much caffeine. Oh, and quickly, I, we just mentioned it. We just want to make sure people understand when we're talking about uh, uh, 538, the uh, the website from Nate Silver, yes. who constantly right. is looking at, and he did this He did this for Trump, too, and, sure, and sure. at times he's accurate, at times he isn't. Right. But, but right, it's right, the fact right. he's really the only person doing this, taking a wide look at all the polls that are out there and probably any inside information that he has and constantly updating. I don't, this may be updated from even la from last night, probably not. Right. But, uh, uh, where he takes a look at the percentage, the chances through his own formula of, of who can take the nomination for the, the Democrats. And now this is after the vote last night. Right, and things right, have right. changed. Sanders was at thirty-eight percent that he will get the nomination. Down for, what was that from? Forty-three, percent. Forty-four percent. About forty-four hours ago. Yeah, yeah. Just twenty-four hours ago, when right. we were talking about it, he was at forty-four percent. Right. New Hampshire changed that, where even though he won, down to thirty-eight percent. In second place, and the fastest mover of all, 
in second place and alone in second place and a dominant second place, no one. Brokered convention. That means nobody gets the majority of the delegates. Um, Yep. And 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 by the way, just over the last week or so, within the last week, it's gone from 25% chance to 28% chance 24 hours ago and now up to 33%. Now, that's a huge that's a huge jump and the fact that it's going up yes after the first two contests should be alarming now, for Bi- the party. Biden is in third place still at 18% probably because of the polling for mm-hmm. states that are still out there especially was, in the south. He was 16% yesterday. Uh, yeah. two, and so he gained a couple of points. He actually, with that performance, he mm-hmm. still gained a couple of points. That has to be because of what they see as polling or indications in other states. Mm-hmm. It certainly didn't come from New Hampshire. Right. It's impossible. He had, right. he had 8%. Buttigieg only at 5%. Hmm. Bloomberg at 4%. Mm-hmm. Warren at 3%. Mm-hmm. The thing that's really caught, I think, my eye immediately is, hmm. So is this a one and done for Klobuchar? Because she doesn't exist. All the others, mm. all the others combined mm-hmm. have a 0.1% chance right. of winning. And that would be, you know, her uh, in there, too. So is it a one and done for Klobuchar? I know the media likes to make a huge deal out of it. But when you look at, okay, what's the entire process along the line? And you do have to look at the number of delegates that comes from both a small state like New Hampshire sure. and also uh, 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 Iowa there. Is it really going to matter? Or does it really just help maybe give you some momentum for Super Tuesday? We have Nevada left. Right. We have South Carolina left. Mm-hmm. And so, as you know, Biden went right down to South Carolina. You were talking, you were looking at African-American votes. Yeah, here during the Bottom of the hour here. Um, uh, uh, an interesting Quinnipiac poll. So they're comparing a Quinnipiac poll from late January. This is African-American uh, Democratic primary voters. In late January, Biden had 52%. On February 10th, Biden had 27%. Wow. Wow. That's why he's he's in South Carolina. We played the comments that he made earlier about African-Americans. They haven't had a chance to vote yet. He's going to have to work on that support in the South. 866-90-RED-EYE. There's a new Shell Rotella engine oil for gas engines. Shell Rotella gas truck is available now. Megan Pino, Shell Rotella global brand manager, tells us what was behind the development and more about the product. Obviously, Shell Rotella's heritage is heavy-duty engine oil, and that sure. will remain our heritage. And we know that our customers work hard, but they also love to play hard. And many of our customers also own a gasoline-powered pickup truck SUV, and perhaps as a personal vehicle or as part of the business. We also know that truck owners use their trucks for different purposes than a car to be able to tow something, whether that's a, an RV or a boat for fun on the weekend, for you know your business, for hauling equipment. So you're doing something different with your truck than you are with a car. And so why use the same motor oil that you would in your car as your truck? There are three viscosity grades, 0W20, 5W20, and 5W30, which covers any gasoline-powered pickup truck or SUV in terms of the manufacturer recommendation. For more, go to Rotella.com. This engine report is a service of Shell Rotella. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
Friday Radio, Eric, now I want to see the early polls from Nevada and South Carolina. They'll start coming in soon. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One.